When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. a Celtic state of mind it's Sunday afternoon we've had a belter of a weekend Lawrence Conley you've been with me every step of the way this is the third part of a trilogy for us isn't it? It is indeed yeah Tom on Friday night John Hartson last night both great events great meeting the Axon Cures Bill McCabe from the, the View Park big Social shout Club. out to Bill yeah uh, Tony and Franny met him in the Tobuth the Peter Scarf CSC mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. the good chap of him so, yeah, brilliant night. And obviously, you know, two boys that I just, you, you've posted out there really knew all about scoring against uh, the old Rangers. They knew all about it. And by the way, see what I love about this is um, we were sitting there last night and we were basically saying to John, right, it's the night before a semi-final against Rangers. Talk us through it. What what are the players doing? How does it feel, you know? And you try and get a sense of that, Laura. I'm going to come to you first because the team lines are out. We're going to bring them up very, very soon. I'm sure everybody watching has already seen them, but we'll talk through both sets of team lines. And um, all, all the talk during the week was who's going to make it, who's not going to make it. You're looking at the training pictures. Um, and Jota not only made it today, but he also made it to the brazen head during the week, wearing uh, the double denim, the mustachio, and the Barnet, which is looking more and more like uh, George Michael by the day. And uh, also, the retro Celtic Bumblebee kit underneath, absolutely spectacular. But we'd done our own version of that last night, you know, because Big John arrived, he jumped out his motor, just round the corner from Barra's Art and Design, and he nipped in to the traders uh, to say hello to the Celtic. So you can imagine the, the reaction when John Hartson walks in on an otherwise nondescript Saturday night to Traders Bar, uh, doing in the Carlton, doing it the uh, the Gallagate. And uh, they're all trying to get him up to do a bit of karaoke. He didn't, I've got to say, he didn't do a karaoke. He had a wee half uh, pint and uh, we went and done our gig after that. But what's, what do you make of Jota and the fact that he's in today? It's, it's hugely important for this fixture, isn't it, Laura? I mean, it's 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 massive because, you know, we, we don't really need to look too far in the past. We've all been voting on the, the goal of the season this season and I think almost without... Uh, exception, um, people have voted for that that lovely wee dink against Rangers, and uh, and 
you know, he's got into a wee habit of scoring against Rangers, which is really good. But the, the reason you want a player like him is um, in a game like this where it can be tense and it can be, you know, people nipping at each other and all that, you just need that one player who can just get that spark of magic out of nowhere. And um, more than any other player in the squad, I would say, even more than Kyogo, who, who you know, obviously we rely on massively for goals, but in terms of pulling some pulling a rabbit out of a hat, so to speak, Jota is, you know, about the most effective at that in the whole squad. So to have him in there, hopefully at full fitness, is absolutely fantastic. But I have to say, uh, everybody going on about, and I, I know he's got a very like distinct style, and, and I appreciate it. Nobody, nobody. Uh, can take away the fact that he showed up in that retro um, Bumblebee shirt, but somebody shared a picture of David Ginola in that peak uh, Kevin Keegan Newcastle team, and my goodness, they don't make a vintage like that anymore. I mean, I mean, I know I'm going off talk topic, but my goodness, yeah, that's a, a specimen right there, shall we say? Laura, you know, I do love talking about uh, David or David Ginola, but uh, Alan Thompson who played with him at Aston Villa, Lawrence, and we're not going to share the details, did share a wee bit of information about David Ginola. Um, <laughs> so he might he might look good in the kit. That's all I'm saying. Right, Kev? He, he, he knocked back Tommy Burns, so, you know, I'm he did. Time for the man. <laughs> he did. And that, that's because we Fergus was asking him if he could do it at Brockville on a wet Tuesday night. Um, and he decided, nah, you're all right. I'll go down to Newcastle instead. Now, <laughs> the right-hand side of that part, Kevin McCluskey, um, we've been talking all about it because I must admit, it was my biggest concern. Um, we'll, we'll come to Hatati in a moment, but if Jota never made it today, you're looking at a player in Haksabanovic who I don't think um, is suited to that area of the park. You were looking at Abada, who we didn't know was going to make it. He obviously hasn't made it. And then, of course, you're, you're looking at uh, young Rocco Vata, who, by the way, we all want to do well, and I've been impressed with his performances so far, but this might have been a bridge too far for him at this stage of his career. Um, and I think it's vital that Jota's made it, um, and Haksabanovic and Vata, of course, are on the bench. But what do you make of the situation on the right-hand side of the park if Jota's not available? We, we really don't have the same quality, I don't think, that we, that, uh, you know, we do in other areas of the park. No, so first and foremost, I think it's just a massive boost that we've got Jota back and that he's fit. And you've got to have faith that he's fit enough to make it today and get through the 90 minutes. Thank you for noticing that one. Uh, I, he's massive. Like It's everything that Laura's saying. He's the guy that kind of gets the bums off the seats. He provides a wee bit of spark and inspiration. Out of the three players that were out and potentially coming back today, Jota was the one for me that we had to get back in the team. I think the midfield could cope without Hatati being there in this game. Mm-hmm. But on the right-hand side, the attack is its kind of stunted when Jota's not there. Maeda, I think, is excellent on the left and he'll do all the defensive side of the, you know, defending from the front and keeping Tavernier quiet and pressing. Kyogo's just Kyogo through the middle, give him a chance and he'll score. But I, on the right-hand side, Jota's the one that makes things happen. You give him the ball, you'll terrorise Barisic, you'll take him inside and outside. He's the one that can create something out of nothing for us. Huge, huge fan of Haksabanovic, but he's not a right-winger. And you definitely miss that when he's there. He's, he's very obvious in what he wants to do, I think, because it's not his natural position. Put him on the left or in the centre, and I think you've got a, a better player. But on the right, I think he's pretty ineffectual. Vata is a real talent, I think, but you can't start him in a game like this. It's far too much pressure to bring him in and expect him to be the guy that 
takes on pretty much the onus of the attack and the creativity up front. So to have Jota there, the guy that's he scored the goal of the season against them earlier on this season, he scored pretty much a carbon copy of Larson's 50th goal of the season last mm-hmm. time out. He's a massive threat. And he's, as I, say, I think he's the one that also from a Rangers perspective, they would not have wanted to be in the team. He's the one that will scare them more that he's in. So it's a massive, massive thing to have him back. Um, if he can last an hour or 75 minutes, he's uh, he's capable of winning the game for us within that time. So huge, huge boost to get him back in the team. He can, he can definitely carve it up. And um, I know it would have appealed to you, Lawrence, that uh, he just walked into a boozer in the gorbals. And I don't know if he was, he had a glass in his hand. I think it was probably lemonade. For a wee frame, he pulled in and say hello and get his photo taken with the, the Celtic fans. And I love that because in the modern day, that's that's so, you know, it seems so far removed from what modern day footballers do, Lawrence. Yeah, indeed. I, I think he was in there with a local DJ that he's friends with. I think he'd taken him down there. But it's good to see, isn't it? Obviously, all the, all the boys in the brazen would have been over the mini. Having a quiet pint through the week. And then strokes the man himself. I know, it would have been pretty surreal. I know that's a pretty overused word. i never seen what he was wearing on his feet, but even if he had a pair, a pair of Crocs on, I still would have thought he, he was... Predators, probably, cool. mate. Predators, did you uh, say? <laughs> <laughs> Preds. He's got the record right. copy, mate, as well, with Predators on. Aye, absolutely. Um, he, he might as well. And by the way, uh, talking to talks, we'll come back to all of that, but uh, obviously there has been some leaked images of uh, Celtic hoops. Uh, who knows if, if it's the real deal? I hope it is, personally, but uh, we'll probably speak about that on a less frantic day. I'm really keen to get as some people... As long as it's no pink, it's fine. That's what I'm saying. You know the thing about pink, Laura? <laughs> The, th- the thing with Pink that, that gets me is I think, I think it can be done really, really well, but we just haven't done it well yet. So if we were to return to uh, a Pink kit, um, I think, yeah, great, but let's do it right. You know, maybe Pink and Black would work a wee bit better. The Pink I and Grey certainly well, didn't. Well, as we both know, we could go on about kits for hours. We should we probably could. stick to the match for today. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's stick to the game. Gary Besant. Uh, never mind the real Rangers. Let's see the, the real Celtic. More on the hoops. Listen, um, in games like this, you know, if you make a prediction, it can really come back to to bite you in the backside at half time, at full time, and for the rest of the week. But what I will say is, if Celtic do turn up, if the real Celtic do turn up today, we're going to win this game, and we're going to win it comfortably because what I've seen in the last three games is, for me, a below par Celtic. I'm not saying a poor Celtic, but they weren't at their best, and I think Rangers probably were in particular in the last game, and we still got the result. So if the real Celtic turn up today, I'm pretty confident. And I don't mind saying that because at halftime, you know, if it's not going the way that we expect, it's because we're not playing to our full capacity. That's that's the way that I kind of view this. Frank Brennan wishing Lisbon Lion Jim Craig a very happy 80th birthday today. Absolutely. Jim is an absolute titan. Um, as the years go on, uh, it becomes even more so because he's a man, we, we interviewed him on a Celtic state of mind probably three, four years back. And even then, he was he was getting very emotional about his pals uh, passing away, you know. And he's at that age of 80. He's fit, he's sharp, and uh, we wish him all the very best today uh, when he's celebrating that big 8-0. Paul, gone wrong, great acts on weekend so far. Let's make it a treble today. And that number on your avatar is the amount of treble Celtic are going for um, this season. And today... Obviously, it all hinges on the result. We've also got Celts from all over the world. Giancarlo Curati. I know that uh, Laura likes a bit of vintage Italian football. This one's for you. Come on, guys. It's showtime. Let's show them Ciao from Italy. Ciao, by the way, is the best World Cup mascot of all time. 
Um, if you want to Naranjito, disagree, Naranjito, sorry, Naranjito was pretty did you good. think you're, you're saying an orange was the best mascot of all time? Yeah. Come on, we'll, we'll swiftly move on from that. <laughs> Dear me, Mark <laughs> Goledge cheering from Isla Majures, Carb Celtic. I don't know what carb means, uh, other than the fact that I need to stay off them. <laughs> and we've also got Chloe Toy 1992. Bella Ciao, Giancarlo. By the way, a wee bit of an Italian uh, vibe going on today, Laura. Let's talk about some of the other areas of the park. We'll start at the very back, Joe Hart. I was talking about him during the week and how impressed I've been with his leadership qualities. Has he been getting a bit of a, an unfair hard time at, at certain points this season? I can only remember a couple of times where I'd have maybe criticised him. I don't think it's unfair. I think he, I think he got all the plaudits he deserved coming in last season and, and steadying the ship in the way that he did. We'd, we'd spent a long time, basically since Fraser Forster, without without a like a, a really world-class goalkeeper. Craig Gordon was was very good, but you know, not on that level, I would say. Um and and I think he came in and <clears throat> steadied the ship at a time where we really, really needed it and gave us that foundation to, to build um, a strong defence and therefore, you know, a, a much more stable team. Um, I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility or beyond reason to to then criticise him if he is occasionally um, dropping the ball to to use, like, to for want of a better phrase. I, I think, as I've always said, in terms of command in his area and in terms of being a shot stopper and catching crosses and all of that stuff, he's about as good as they come. I still think between him and Carol Starfelt, both of whom have had fantastic seasons this season, I have to say, but between the pair of them, your heart's always in your mouth when one's got the ball and is deciding to pass to the other one because neither of them particularly seem to look where the other one is. Neither of them are in the position that you would always expect them to be in and yet the other one passes to that position. And so you can end up in situations where, you know, one's sprinting to catch a pass that the other one's made, or you're giving away a silly corner. And thankfully, if it's not on target, you're not you're not risking an OG or something like that. That's the only criticism I have of Joe Hart. Um, and and as a result, Carol Starfelt as well, is that neither of the two of them are particularly good on the ball. And therefore, it sticks out like a sore thumb when you've got people like um, Carter Vickers, Johnston, Taylor, who can all pass a ball as well as attack. And even Kobayashi, who's come in um various times, looks very, very calm on the ball. So that's where I think the I think that's where the fair criticism comes from. If you go beyond that and you start talking about that he's not a good shot stopper or he can't command his area or he can't come out for crosses or anything like that, I don't I don't accept that. He's he's about as good as they come. But to say that the criticism of this of him this season's unfair or harsh, I don't think is right either. I think he's he's got his plaudits and he and he deserves some of the criticism he's got as well. He's one of the players that we found out after the event, Kevin, um, had been spoken to by Celtic in the preseason leading into the ten, uh, or what was the quest for winning ten in a row. Uh, time wasn't right. By the time he speaks to Ange Postecoglou, and he opens up apparently to him in that conversation and speaks about feeling vulnerable and needing to be loved. I think we've given him plenty of love, but he's he's been deserving of it, hasn't he? He has been, and I think he gives it back to us as well in spades. Because you see him at the end of the big games when he's getting his interviews, he is one of the first ones that will be over to the crowd and identifies and acknowledges how big a role the crowd and the support have played in getting us over the line in games. Um, it's not wrong to say he's one of those guys that's come in and he just gets it, I think. 
he understands what it's all about to play for Celtic. Um, and he's been a, he's been a really impressive signing. Someone that I think most of us at the time were a little bit on the fence about because he hadn't played much in the last couple of years. And the, you know, you're hearing all the stuff where he can't dive to his left, he can't do this anymore, he's over the hill. He's certainly proven that he's not. He's a very, very capable goalkeeper and someone that inspires confidence, I think, from the back and has the leadership qualities that, have, kind of, that make him a right top player for us now. You know, we talk about uh, this resurrection of Joe Hart because you're right, for a couple of years before he came to Celtic, regardless of what you thought about him um, as a person or how he comes across, and often that can be wrong uh, because it's it's uh, obviously difficult to, to gauge that unless you've actually met him and, and you can see him in action and the way that he treats uh, fans and engages with fans, etc. Um, and, you know, you look at the resurrection of his career and the way that Andrew's done that with a number of individuals, um, he's one of them. Lawrence, but he's done it with, with guys like Tony Ralston. There's an argument to say maybe even Greg Taylor. Um, I'm not going to quite say that it's the same with Matt O'Reilly, but Matt O'Reilly, in terms of obscurity, there was a, a very promising career that ended up in the, the third-tier English football. And look what he's doing now. He's, he's uh, getting a man of the match performance this season against Real Madrid. Ange Postacoglu is fantastic. Uh, I don't know if it's a, a man management skill, if it's about giving the um, the individual a wee bit more self-belief back, but he's certainly done it with a number of members of this, this squad uh, over the last couple of seasons, Lawrence. Yeah, but without doubt, I think he gives the players kind of pretty clear instructions on what he wants them to do, you know, and he, he protects his players. It's not too often things go wrong, but, you know, I think he'll take the blame, you know, if things go wrong the players are doing what they're told to do. Matt Riley, you know, he's getting back into a bit of form just now. What, you know, a couple of games ago we were saying, should we start? And he's been a bit off form, but, you know, Ange played him through it. He's back mm-hmm. in form. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, he's, you know, what is he, 21, 22? Great future in front of him. You know, Greg Taylor. You know, Peter, uh, Peter Grant coached him when he was at Fulham. Did you know that? I remember Peter saying that. I mentioned it once. <laughs> I remember Peter saying that, yes. <laughs> he also Grant, coached right? Marie Jens. Yeah, he did, eh? <laughs> yes. Marie Jens as well, mate. <laughs> yes, that's right. Aye. Not, the, anyone who gives himself a nickname, I've got a concern about that. Ever since Paul Lynch used to call himself the governor, and he used to tell all the young guys at Old Trafford, don't call me Paul, call me the governor. So, Marit uh, Jens, the minute he started calling himself Mercedes, I was like, right, just end that loan early. Move him on. <laughs> Even if it leaves us short at the back. Uh, David Boyle, someone has said, is, is PG, look at this, on a Sunday. Maybe tonight, Chloe. Maybe tonight. Um, I'm on a chai tea if you, if you need to know what's in that mug. David Boyle, uh, big game and big calls by Ange. Let's hope throwing Hatati and Jota in does not backfire. Now, I'm going to bring up another one as well. Um, I doubt we'll see a bad again, too much third-party nonsense. And I'm referring to um, Ange's comments actually during the week because you kind of cling on to everything that he says leading up to every game, never mind a big game. And he spoke, Laura, about the three who were on the fence as to whether or not they were going to make it today. And he basically said, all three of them are in with a chance. We're going to check them out at training this week. And if they're ready, they'll be in. Now, listen, I know that we can speculate. We're football fans. That's what we do. But I'm just going to say, if Abada's not on that squad today, he's just not made it. He's just not fit. Would you buy that? Or do you think there's something underlying? Um, I think I think as fans, like you say, we have the right to speculate and... Um... And that's something that we certainly enjoy doing. Like, there's, you know, you don't appear on a podcast every week if you don't enjoy speculating about football because you'd not have very much to talk about. Because, as we all know, we're kind of a lot of the time going on 
hunches and feelings and stuff you've heard down the boozer and stuff like that and and despite what some people might think we're not that well connected inside the club so speculation is part of the bread and butter of what we do but at the same time you can certainly read too much into things and uh, and I think where Abad is concerned um, he probably I think I think there's truth to the, the suggestion that there might be third party involvement and if that is the case, then then fair enough. I, I will say thanks for your service and, and see you later. Um, but yeah, I think as far as at this point of the season is concerned, you could look at it one of two ways. Either he's already knows where he's going, and in which case he's not just going to be left out for the remainder of the season, or um, it's a fitness issue and he's just um, he's just not he's just not available for whatever reason. But yeah, I think there's sometimes a, a tendency to. What is it they say in the medical field? Don't don't look for a zebra when it's actually a horse or something like that that they're talking about. Um, uh, and I think that's that's basically what's going on. Um, I, I, I listen, a bad for my money will be away at the end of the season. I think there's been too much smoke um, for there not to be fire, and um, that is going to be the case. But at the same time, he's too talented a player to write him off for the rest of the season. Um, I think we need to use him if and when. And I think Ange would have done that if he'd felt it was the right choice today. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with that because when you look at the bench every week, Kevin, and we never tire of talking about the strength of the bench. And there's been a couple of times recently where we didn't feel as though there was enough kind of offensive players um, to call upon at that moment where you think a, a change is required. Abada against Rangers, he's done it time and time again. He's a big, he's a big game player. And if he was fit, I'm pretty sure that that Ange would have had him on a bench. However. And just changed their attitudes. I think back to even John Collins and um, the the murmurings were coming through that Collins wanted a move. And I remember Tommy Burns speaking about it because he left them out. And then you get the three amigos and all these guys. And it's almost like they hold you to ransom as a fan emotionally because they, they know it does affect, it does affect us. But there's been a bit of a change, I think, and it all comes from Ange. He's, he's preparing you. He's, he's normalising it a wee bit more, isn't he? And um, we've had a couple of batches of first-teamers, favourites, Rogic and uh, Beaton, and then Juranovic and Yakamakis. They're gone. But as Laura says, you wish them well, you move on. And uh, there's a real change in the way that we look at this, and I think that's all down to Ange as well, Kev. 100% is, yeah. I think one of the great things about Ange is just his honesty. Um, he kind of faces everything head on and he'll he'll tell you how it is, like as much as you need to know. Uh, to the point that you're you're kinda of, you're up to date, you're in, you're um, you're aware of everything that's going on. Basically that you need to know. And he controls the narrative in these things. That's what I to get to. He controls the narrative. So he will tell you don't get attached to certain players because they won't be here for, for a while. Whereas in the past, no manager ever came out and said that. And I think it was because um, probably they didn't know if they were ever going to be able to replace them. Mm-hmm. So we had to keep our best players. And then we allowed the player to control the narrative and get it out first that I'm a bit unhappy and this is the reason why. And it's the club aren't paying me enough money. The club have reneged on a promise and all of this. So the players controlled it. And just now come out and said, do not be surprised if certain players leave within 12 or 24 months. It's natural, it will happen, but trust me, I've got the next boy lined up to come in already. So it does, it completely softens the blow to the point that, yeah, you've got somebody like Abada that's missing today. Of course, there's going to be all the speculation. I kind of agree with Laura that I think he's away in the summer, but I don't think that that would prevent Ange from playing him. 
because again, Angie's controlled it. He's not allowed a badder or his agent or any third party to steal the march on him and create create a mischief, really. So I think I think if he's fit, he's at least on the bench today, or well, he would make the bench today. And for that reason as well that you've mentioned, he's done it so many times against Rangers. He's a big game player mm-hmm. and isn't going to shoot himself in the foot and leave out a, a potential match winner or game changer for this match because of anything else. But um, yeah, as I say, and kind of controls the narrative and gets you to that point where change doesn't doesn't scare you anymore, and you just trust in him and trust that come next season, the players that are in the squad are going to be the right players. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I can see why people would speculate because you just need to look at what happened to Chris Julian, uh, Maurice Jens. Um, Abulga, remember him? He's one of the guys that you yeah. tend to forget about. And there's a few players that have dropped off the radar and who probably will be on their way. James McCarthy, for example. Um, and by the way, Lawrence, I'm not going to throw James McCarthy at you because I know you'd have him playing number eight today. Uh, but let's talk about the midfield. Let's talk a wee bit about that. Big discussion point all week. Hatati makes it. Um, even if we get a first half out of Hatati, all, fun, you know, all uh, fires firing. Is that right? No, it's not. Um, on all guns blazing, there you go. First half against Rangers in the February game last year. First half against Kilmarnock the other week. If we get that out of Hatati and Jota, it's the right decision. Um, I mean, is he a hundred percent match fit? He wouldn't be playing if he wasn't. And and I think that Hatati against Rangers um, has stepped up. I mean, he, his transition from uh, a level of football that he'd only played for a couple of seasons to going into a, a game against Rangers at home and winning 3 nothing and bossing it, it has been flawless. And that's why he's in today. I feel a wee bit sorry for Awata, though, because I don't think he's made a, uh, you know, I don't think he's he's had a bad performance or, you know, a misplaced pass. I can't remember it anyway. But um, Atate, if fit, has got to play, and that's exactly why I just played him, Lawrence. Yeah, he's a more offensive player out of the two, isn't he? You know, it's a, it's a cup game. We've got to win this. And yeah, Hatati's shown that he knows what it's about. He's a big game player. He can be relied on for goals, for assists. Covers a lot of ground. You know, if I hadn't been for injury, I think he'd have been stick on for player of the year. As it is, I still think he's in the, in the run for it. But yeah, if he hadn't get, get injured, I think he'd have been stick on. So Rio's got to give the, everybody else in the dressing room huge lift. Seeing Rio on the team ship. So, and, you know, give Rangers a bit more to worry about. So, yeah, you, you have to start him. You know, and as you say, if you get 45, 60 minutes out of him, brilliant. Because him and form for 45, 60 minutes is two or three goals for us. He, he is a game changer. I'm going to run through the teams. Just for the families watching, that was Team Sheet, by the way. It was, I, it was Team Sheet. It was, I. That is an early kickoff, right? Now, so, well, well said, Laura. The start in 11 for Celtic, if you haven't already seen it, but I'm sure you have, is Joe Hart. Alistair Johnson, Carter Vickers and Starfelt, Taylor, McGregor, Hatati, O'Reilly, Jota, Maeda and Kyogo. On the bench, Bain, Haxabanovic, Moy, Turnbull, Kobayashi, O, Awata, Ralston and Vata. Just a few weeks ago, Moy would have been a stick-on for a starting position, but that's the way that Ange works. O'Reilly, I think, is very deserving of that. Starting 11 for Rangers, McGregor, Tavernier, Goldson, Davis, Barisic, Lundstram, Raskin, Cantwell, Tillman, Kent, Morelos, Substitutes McLaughlin, Ridvan, Hadji, Suter, Matondo, Kamara, Wright, Fashion Junior, Arfield. Both teams full strength, Laura. But as I've said before, if Celtic play their capabilities, we can win this game and we can win it well. Yeah, I mean, no excuses from either team today in terms of the lineups that are there. Um, there's not going to be anybody able to come back at the end of this and say, yeah, but we didn't have such and such, we didn't have such and such. Um, 
as 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 weak as Rangers team is, in my opinion, it is the strongest team they have. So, um, you know, they can have no excuses as far as that's concerned. From our point of view, that for me today is the strongest eleven we could have if all players are on form. Um, and that includes um, O'Reilly being in there. I would take O'Reilly over Moy any day. It's just that in the last few months, the form book has flipped and Moy has been the informed player. He's dropped off a little bit just as, as O'Reilly's returning to form, so that's worked out quite well. Mm-hmm. But in terms of pure ability, I think that 11 that are going on to the pitch today for us are are the team that I would pick if you asked me to pick my ultimate strongest 11 from the squad we have. So I couldn't couldn't really be happier with it. I'm just hoping that, you know, in certain cases, you know, Jota and Hatati who've been out for a while, hoping they're firing on all cylinders today. Um, hoping that <clears throat> McGregor brings everything that he normally does. Hope that O'Reilly continues his his um his progress in terms of his form. And uh, yeah, um, I think that was some guy from Game of Thrones or Brian Loudrop. I don't know which, but um, uh, I no, I just I, I think in terms of lineup, I, if you you couldn't have asked me to pick a better lineup than that, and I'm really excited to see what they do if they're on form. I think that's an interesting point you make, Laura, because. All week I've been going on about Awata. Um, obviously, Moy, a few weeks ago, yes, he, he starts the game. But when fit, if you're looking at the strongest 11, if there is such a thing under Ange, I agree with you. That is the team. Uh, but O'Reilly's form meant that Moy got game time. Hatati's injury meant that Awata got game time. And yeah, it's the form book that has changed that slightly over over the piece. But for me, that is the strongest lineup that we have. And uh, people, just before we go to the action, uh, a wee bit prematurely there, unfortunately for me. Um, Kevin, people go on about the midfield uh, and the game being won and lost in the midfield. A huge part of that is Johnson and Ralph, uh, Johnston and, and Taylor playing in inverted fullbacks because they overload the midfield. And I think that uh, I don't think that Rangers have managed to figure out a way of stopping that. And they're key to to this game today. The two fullbacks. Well, very few teams have found a way to stop those two, and they are. Uh, they're really overlooked players when you talk about the midfield because when we'll go through a team sheet, we'll talk about Hart as the goalkeeper, the back four, and then you know McGregor, Hatati, O'Reilly's your midfield three. But actually, Johnston, as you said, Johnston and Taylor, when they come in, they make it almost that midfield five. Mm-hmm. They allow O'Reilly to pull out a bit wider. They allow uh, Hatati to get into the space behind the striker. And they're the ones that are um, probably two of our more creative players, especially Taylor. I mean, his passing that we've seen over the last 12 months or whatever has just been, it's frightening, the level of improvement. His pass for, was it O'Reilly's second against Kilmarnock the other week? They just kind of splits the defence apart. He's been doing that regularly. And And I've got to give Kevin his credit here. Uh, We have, from early days, have butted heads about Greg Taylor and and you were a Greg Taylor stan from the start. And I've taken a while to be convinced, but he's been absolutely fantastic this season. Aye, so I'm living proof that a broken clock can be right at least twice a day, you know? The teams are on the park, by the way. One last mention for um, the Green Brigade uh, campaign to get the you know the Celtic end looking green and as green and white as possible. And obviously, all the flares have just gone off. It looks sensational. Uh, the players are doing their obligatory uh, hand claps and fist punches and all that kind of stuff. The, the action's about to kick off, so let's go and check it out. But I'm going to get some predictions. Starting off from you, Lawrence Connolly. Prediction for today, my friend. 
4-1 Celtic. 4-1 Celtic. Laura Bradburn, you love a prediction. Uh, I'm going to go slightly, I'm even more optimistic than, than Lawrence. I want a clean sheet. I'm going to go 4-0. 4-0, Laura. Wow. Yeah. Kev? I'm not going to give you a score. I'm going to tell you Celtic will win. Kyogo will get his fourth consecutive goal against them and he'll hit at least his 30th goal of the season today. Love it. Very positive. Let's see if the smiles and the positivity is still there at halftime. Join us at halftime. Let's go and join the action. Thank you, everybody from all over the globe who have joined us in the pre-match today. Um, it really is appreciated. If you enjoy what we do, give us a big thumbs up on the YouTube channel. And thank you to Kevin, Laura and Lawrence for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Network.